it's an extra large tune. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> what does that even mean? Uh, welcome to the fit to talk podcast. We aim to bring you high quality episodes that make your life better, or at least we hope, with meaningful, helpful and accurate information that's easy to digest, mixed in with a little bit of our own madness just, along the way. Just a little bit sprinkled on the top. <laughs> it's like hundreds and thousands. Uh, today you're listening to one of our guest episodes. And we have another unbelievable guest for you today. <laughs> She's staring at me right now. A phenomenally talented woman who I'm used to calling Ma. Good looking and glorious. Over to you, Bobby, for a formal introduction. This is a very formal introduction. So I, when I was doing some research, I looked at the CV of our guest and the CV of our guest might be one of the longest CVs I've ever seen. So I'm going to attempt to rattle through every single thing that was on the CV. Are you ready for it? I'm going to go as quickly as possible. <clears throat> Mary Poppins, Sleepless, Come From Away, A Day of the Living, Comedy About Bank Robbery, The Book of Mormon, Porgy and Bess, A Christmas Carol, Wicked, Cold Hand Luke, Stepping Out, Hairspray, Little Shop of Horrors, Carmen Jones, Fame, Jerry Springer, The Opera, The Lion King, Half a Sixpence, Lame Miz, Dr. Doolittle, Martin Gare, Me and My Girl, hey! <laughs> Are you okay? Do you need some oxygen? I need to, I need to lie down. Yeah. My word. Tanya, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I mean, uh, if people are listening to that, uh, you can you can play that at half speed on, on Apple, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, slow it right down. Slow that right down. Um, I, in fact, I encourage you to go back and play it at two times speed uh, just to see what that CV sounds like. It's like 95, so... Strongly disagree. Never. <laughs> Never. Strongly disagree. Uh, like 95. <laughs> yes, uh, an impressive career indeed. What does like 95 mean? Years old. What does it mean to you? <laughs> About 80. <laughs> uh, so we have uh, enlisted your help, twisted your arm. Mm. To bring you on the podcast, <laughs> you didn't need to sound so sincere about that. Yes, you really did. <laughs> Twist my arm to be here, uh, and uh, we're going to pick your brains about your life, career, and everything to do with it. Uh, you look terrified. I am. I just don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I would say we'll edit anything out that you don't like, but um, we won't. No, okay, no, okay. <laughs> this is all for the record. Yeah. Um, you're good. Um, so, before we properly start, mm-hmm. got a little request of you. Sort of slightly unkind to spring this on you. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's part of our podcast that we do at the start, and it's called Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. And put simply, at some point during the first part of our podcast, we will talk about your younger years, your school time, all the way through to maybe your um, training. Uh, we would love it if you could try and tell us a lie. And get away with it. Uh-huh. One uh-huh. single lie. Get away. <laughs> when we reach the end of that section, Barbie and I will both get the opportunity to guess what we think the lie is. Mm-hmm. And we encourage the listeners to try and guess too. So we shouldn't know that it's the lie that you're telling when it happens, because that would be insane. And uh, (laughs) I'm about to lie. uh, And don't worry, while we're having that conversation, we're not immediately going to go, that, that was the lie. (laughs) Right there. This is all lies. Just constantly for a quarter of an hour. Um, Do you, are you willing? Yes, I am. I'm eager. I was going to say, and are you able? But we'll find out. We'll see. <laughs> With that CV, the lie. <laughs> the CV was a lie. <laughs> oh my God, we should totally do that. <gasps> oh, good. <laughs> so, 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 yes. The podcast studio is falling apart. Literally on people's heads. We just got hit just... by 
Wow. Some kind of, piece sound of soundboard. Oh, God. Well, that it's... horrible sound is me reattaching <laughs> something to the studio wall. Um, oh, that, <laughs> We're keeping that in. Yeah, that's that's got to stay. Oh, my God. Did it hit you? Uh, it slowly, like, grazed my back. It was a very slow... Sensual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was Sensual. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, God. I had a moment. I'm going to keep looking at that. Yeah, yeah God, I'm slightly terrified yeah. of it now. Uh, what a lovely start. <laughs> Tell us, Tanya, where were you raised? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Dorset in the south of England. Love. You don't have a Dorset accent. Um, no, but to be fair, no one... Kind of no one at my school really had a Dorset accent. There's like the generational thing of my aunties had Dorset accents. Uh-huh. So I think, um, yeah, we kind of didn't. I also went to speech and drama when right. I was younger. I think partly because my mom didn't want me to have a Dorset accent. <laughs> <laughs> In all honesty. And what does a Dorset hmm. accent sound like? Talks a bit like that, I think. Farmers, you know, but no one really talks like that anymore. You have oh. to be like proper country to have that Dorset accent, I think. So, yeah. I love that. It's a great <laughs> accent. I absolutely love it. I can't do it to save my not life. Not me either. Um, <laughs> it's not the one for us. Uh, we cannot achieve that. So we won't try. No. Uh, so you uh, and so you went to school in Dorset and you, mm. you took speech elocution classes. What was it? Speech and... I went, I started doing like drama lessons on a, you know, Saturday, like a drama class and it was also they did a speech lesson as well so it was that was like lambda exams so part of it was kind of um working towards exams and then the other half was just fun drama lessons so that's kind of when I first did proper drama wow that's so cool yeah and uh, during that time period how old were you when you started that sorry I was probably about um 10 11 10 11 yeah so what was home life like while that was going on, like, what was your, what was, you know, who was looking after you? Do you have brothers, sisters, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I've got one sister. Um, so basically I got into performing through dancing probably before I then started doing drama and singing. Um, my mum was a single parent at, when I was younger and she played hockey for Dorset so she'd play every Saturday. Um, so a friend of hers would look after me and my sister. Um, I was, my sister's very like calm. She likes colouring in, stuff like that. She can sit for hours, whereas I was very chatty <laughs> and annoying. <laughs> it was me. So apparently on a Saturday, I'd follow my auntie around like, what are you doing? How, how do you know what to put the washing machine on? And what's that? And how do you do that? And why are you using that duster? And literally she's like, oh, go and sit in the lounge and watch TV. I'm like, no, I'm good. So <laughs> she asked my mom if it was a good idea to send me to dancing school on a Saturday with her eldest daughter. It cost like two pounds for about six hours of dancing. <laughs> oh, lovely. If only it cost and that you, now. Yeah. Oh my you God. did every single thing possible. Like ballroom, ballet, disco. We did it all Latin, um, tap. And my mom's like, yeah, sure. Okay. So that's why I started dancing. And, Sorry, yeah. does anyone even do disco anymore? Because that was really popular when I was growing oh. up. Oh man, disco's wild. I love it's disco. Wild. I mean, freestyle disco. <laughs> Oh, my thing. <laughs> I wonder if, if kids still learn it because it is. I feel like they do. I feel like I feel like there's pockets of the country where disco is like crazy disco popular. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think it's like a competitive thing now, disco. Mm. Apparently, I don't know. 
then it was just me just like throwing myself around. So you had tons of energy. Lots, like loads of energy, far too much energy, very hyperactive kind of child without being hyperactive officially. Um, I think I was allowed to stay doing dancing because my mum would pick me up and I'd literally fall asleep in the car. So I was like... (laughs) Amazing. Winner. Tell me stop talking. Two pounds. What's this dancing thing? (laughs) She must do more of it. That's what it costs. Two quid. I feel like most parents, if they could have like a machine on the wall that they just slip two pounds into that their child would be asleep, (laughs) we'd make a lot of money if we could invent that. Absolutely. That's so cool. Um, Did you enjoy dancing straight out of the gate? Was it? Yeah, I loved it. I think it's even, so I grew up in Dorset, but I'm half St. Lucian. So... Until I was three, we lived in St. Lucia. Um, I was born here. My mum flew me back, blah de blah um, But apparently when I was very young, my mum worked at a hotel in the office and she'd take me into work sometimes. And then suddenly she's like, where's Tanya? Where's Tanya gone? And I'd be at the pool and there's usually like a steel band or something for the um, hotel guests. So I would be naked. I don't know why. I'd always be naked. <laughs> <laughs> at like three dancing <laughs> for the tourists basically to the steel drums <laughs> loving my life That's and my mum would you used to do that when we were on bank robbery as well yes I, I, mean, I still do it <laughs> when so, I'm feeling happy <laughs> <laughs> what a way to spend your time yeah. I, 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 yeah. that's my evening plans yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to touch on what you said that your mum played hockey mm. really well really well that's so interesting to have that uh, open to you as a as a child, right? To see mm. your parent. I think it's okay. My experience was that neither of my parents played sport at all, so it it, it was quite strange to me to have that as an idea. So now hearing that, uh, how, did that think that these sort of did that make you think? Sorry, that those physical pursuits were were an option, were were fun, or yeah, kind of. I think I come from of quite a sporty family, and I think because I went down the dancing route. Um, yeah, I think if you come from a like non-sporty family, it's weird to try and get into it. But the other way, because my mom's so good at every sport she tries, I'm kind of okay. So I always enjoyed sports. I enjoyed when I was younger. I used to like sprinting. I was very good. I was a really fast uh, sprinter at school. Um, and then I actually did like GCSE PE. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that was the GCSE you could take. It probably is. Now it's probably literally, I was like, I'll do that one. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be easy. Um, so we did everything. We did trampolining, <laughs> basketball, hockey. We had to literally do every single sport. So I loved being like doing sport and netball. But I think because I did so much dancing, I was never really in a team. So I never did it really outside of school. Um so, yeah, I think the option there, and it was nice. I think my mom's very much like she's open to us doing anything we want to do. It didn't have to just be academic, but we had to, as long as we put all our, you know, 100% into it, then that was fine. So I think that yeah. comes from that sporty background. So now she plays, she then played badminton. She's finished hockey because she thought she was getting a bit too old. Started badminton, then she ended up playing badminton for the county as a non-badminton player. Wow. (laughs) And now she plays golf. Um, I asked her the other day because her handicap was under 10. 
Wow. This but is it's gone a bit up now. Oh, highly <laughs> skilled sports. So she's yeah, going she's, from athletic, competitive, like things like yeah. team sports, like hockey through to, you know, and badminton, which you can play doubles, obviously. And then to yeah. something like golf, which is the other end of that sporting spectrum, in my yeah. opinion. It's that very calm and really precise. Yeah. Not that you don't have to be precise in hockey, but I think you get what I mean. Mm. That's an amazing physical role model. Yeah. yeah. Amazing to be able to transfer that level of skill kind of along the way. Yeah through three completely different disciplines. That's very cool. Mm. And was that something when you were younger you admired in your mum? Yes, but I think because I didn't really excel at any sport, I was like kind of good at sport and I'll run around and I liked, you know, there's some people that just hated PE and hated sports day, whatever. I liked it, but we I went to a very sporty school as well by my last school. So I went to three primary, middle, upper school. And... It had an amazing football team. It had an amazing netball team. We we won everything. It was that kind of school. So you had to be kind of amazing to get noticed. So I was like just there and got involved. Um, it was a bit of a pressure because she was so good. And I think, I mean, I got asked to go to play hockey for my school in Holland last minute because someone dropped out, um, having never played hockey for my school, <laughs> just like in PE lessons. And basically years later, I saw the hockey coach because I literally didn't know any of the actual rules. So I was like a swing hockey person. So someone came out, they're like, right, you're wing attack. And I'd be running. And then my friend were like, stop. Because I didn't know, like football, you can't go past a certain place if another player's there. I had no idea. Just running around. I'm like, get the ball, put it in the net. That was how I played hockey. That is more than I know about hockey. Yeah, I know, I know z- zero. So I know that, literally nothing. Uh, that makes me want to look up zones in hockey after this. But I think it's similar to like football where if Offside. the goal, I don't even know the names of the people, but like the goal attack goes into a certain area, the people on the side can't go past the centre. Right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I should maybe have learned that before I went to represent England. (laughs) (laughs) Against really tall girls from Holland who were all like six foot tall, apparently 14. You're like, you can't be. You're You're 35. What is this? This is crazy. That's amazing. So you had this amazing role model going, Mm. hey, there's this this great fun you can have with these physical pursuits, but you didn't feel like you excelled in that uh, realm. But you did obviously enjoy the dance. Did you also excel... Dance as well? Is that what made you pursue that? Yeah, I think um, it's probably a big part of my personality that if I'm not very good at something straight away, I'm not, I'm really not that bothered. um, (laughs) I think with dancing, I just naturally kind of was a natural mover. I'm very, I had lots of like musicality. Um, So yeah, I did excel at that without much real effort in a way. Yeah. I, I'm, I, don't, I, can't, I don't really remember doing this, but I think I entered myself into a talent competition. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> when I was around eight years old. Um, and I would basically every single round, I just did a freestyle to Michael Jackson. So I had my Michael Jackson cassette. I'd just choose a song. <laughs> and like, I, cause I just make up dances in my kitchen. So I did the same thing for these. And literally I'd go, when I hit this pose, turn the music off. That was as much as I'd planned the dance. So I got to the final <laughs> of this talent competition at home um, with a guy playing guitar and singing, another girl doing like a song, full song and dance with a costume and Tanya just doing freestyle 
jazz, if you want to give it a name. Maybe. To a Michael Jackson song. Um, (laughs) And I came second, weirdly, or third maybe, I don't know, but the girl who was also within that group of three, her dancing teacher was watching and she spoke to my mum after and said, oh, does she go to dancing school? Um, She said, oh, yeah, this one. And she's like, right. She said she's, you know, naturally, she's got a lot of natural ability, but she's got no technique whatsoever. (laughs) I've heard that about me before. <laughs> and it's still true to this And day. I dispute it heavily <laughs> because I have no natural technique. <laughs> but I think as well, because my mum, because my family don't come from any kind of performing, they come more from sport, if anything. Mm. She doesn't know. She's like, she's having a good time and everyone says she's good. She doesn't know what dance technique it is. So she said, look, come, if you want to come, bring her to my dance school and you can have a look around, we'll do a day. And so basically I ended up, it was a proper dance school. <laughs> As opposed to the other one, the woman was lovely, but, you know, there wasn't any exams. There was nothing else going on. Um, it was two pounds. It was two pounds and it was just there for fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went to that Villanueva Dance Academy and um, I stayed there until I left to go to college. Wow, fantastic. And did you know quite early on when you went to this Lanuva. Villanuva. Villanuva. Fancy. When you went there, did you know quite early on that it's something you potentially wanted to do as a career? Also, yes. So um, it's, I think as an adult Tanya, um, I'm quite different, but as a young Tanya, <laughs> it's really annoying. Um, I was just weirdly confident. I... Um, if you went around the class and asked kids, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I want to work in space. I want to be a fireman. And I was like, oh, um, I want to be a star. <laughs> was the answer to that question. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't know how that was going to happen. But you achieved it. But so apparently yeah. that's what. Yeah. <laughs> and literally be like, cool. Um, so I think, yeah, I think as soon as I kind of, especially I real, I think I realised with that dancing school, this was like actually what I needed to do if I did want to pursue this as a career, that it, it wasn't just making up dances in my kitchen. Um, so, yeah, I was happy to be there. And I did quite well straight away as well, which was great, but also didn't go down that well with some people because <laughs> I kind of was this random person that came in. And, um, yeah, so there's lots of lessons learned <laughs> quite early on. Um, while you were doing this, you, you, you've mentioned that physical stuff having loads of energy. Mm. I want to ask what you were eating at the time. Like what type of food did mum put on the table? Because, you know, was that part of your energy or was that just what you were like? You know, what, what food did you eat from at a young age at home? Um, I'm going to cough. Um, <clears throat> I had, um, I didn't really like eating. I wasn't a big eater at all when I was younger. I would um, just not eat. Um, I didn't eat breakfast and I think that's something that's carried on to my adult life. It's like I always, I've always had a problem with eating really early in the morning. Um, my mom got to the point where she would make me an eggnog without the alcohol, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to calm me down. Um, so, yes, yeah, so she's literally like giving me raw eggs, milk. This is like early 80s before the salmonella thing hit, um, obviously. Um, so that I had something in my body because then I would go to school and because we were a single parent family, we had school lunches, which were packed lunches. And um, at the time, I thought they were disgusting. Um, I didn't eat butter. 
I wouldn't eat anything with fat on it, like bacon with fat. I'd just be like, no, get it away from me. So they used to like make sandwiches with like hard lumps of butter, you know, and like white bread and just like, I can't. <laughs> so I spent most lunchtime sitting in the lunchroom because I wouldn't eat my food. And then I'd go home, probably eat dinner. So I had a really kind of, I just wasn't ever hungry. I think I was just had so much energy and then to stop and eat just felt like, mm, what's the point? I wish I was like that now. I'm just not because I really like food and I can't stop eating. But that's <laughs> happened. Um, but yeah, so I think it was more my mom obviously trying to feed me, <laughs> make yeah, yeah. sure I had um, good food. I mean, I come from, my mom's done lots of different jobs when she was younger, but one was like a dinner lady. So she's really good at like batch cooking. There's a lot of spaghetti bolognese and shepherd's pie mm. and cottage pie. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all the same thing <laughs> and they're all made of mints. <laughs> and I hated mints. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of mints in our house, but um, she always cooked everything from scratch. So, and she's got that home cook kind of thing as well. And we don't waste food. And if you roast a chicken, then you have a chicken curry the next day, then you have a chicken soup. So I've, mm. I've definitely still have that thing with food of like not wasting food. And I was talking to someone at work about this the other day of the thing of not, um, you couldn't leave the table if you didn't clear your plate. So that was a big thing in our house. Um, I did... It sounds a bit weird now, but I, because a lot of our food was minced based <laughs> and it was the cheap mince, which was fatty and gristly. Um, so I used to put a tea towel on my lap and literally like spit my food into a tea towel, go into the bathroom and flush it away. Wow. Wow. Just so I could leave the table. That's. Which doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound great. All. It doesn't, but it's. I think even now my mum will look back and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't made you always eat all the food because you eat all the food now. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, this like yeah. weird, I don't think it came, I just, I was just never really hungry. If I had a packet of crisps, that would be it. I would not eat a Sunday roast. Wow. So the whole thing of a Sunday was me going, can I just have, can I just have a bag of crisps? Like, no, not until, can I just, I'm starving. Very dramatic. <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> all of this. So we'd get one bag of crisps and then my mum would literally spend all day cooking. I'd sit in there and be like, I'm not hungry now. Wow. So that was a real bone of contention in our house. It's so nuts, isn't it, that you get, because, uh, you know, if you're that active and expending mm. that much energy, you'd assume you'd want to be fed the whole time, but to not have that need. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I suppose it's that thing of, like you said, you don't want to stop when you've got that much energy. You just want to keep going, but yeah. to actually yeah. sit down and force yourself to have a meal. You're like, Oh, boring. This is yeah, yeah. This is boring. This is not what I want to be doing. I want to be out having fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, so between that point in it, realistically, we got to about sort of, what do you say? Lower, middle and upper school. Yeah. But by the time you get to sort of what's upper school, what kind of age is that? So I think, 13, 13, 14. So you've got a couple of years into your GCSEs and then there would be a sixth then form as well. But. So you'd done GCSEP. You were still dancing at this point. <laughs> now, Which wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. She's a pro at basketball at that point and many other random sports. Yeah. And uh, you ended up going to arts ed. Mm. How did that decision come about? Or how did that come about? Um, I think based on the I'm going to be a star 
theory of being around eight years old. <laughs> um, yeah, I think because I think from going through from the dancing, kind of getting into performance, performance through that way, and then there were people at my dancing school who also did drama and who also did singing. So I was like, oh, what's this drama and singing thing? I must do that if I'm going to be famous. So I kind of wangled <laughs> some, you know, send me here, send me there. Um, we would do song and dance at dancing schools. So you do like medal tests one year and then exams and a show maybe and alternate the years like this. So I'd never, do, I'd never sung before. I did a song and dance and everything was videotaped and then sent to us with all your like routines on. And I did really well. I got like the highest mark I could get. The woman made me do the song and dance again. So I thought, oh my God, I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> who knew? And then I watched it back and I could tell I wasn't singing in tune. I was just literally, I literally could not sing in tune. I was like, oh, what's this? I can't sing in tune. I think I'm singing in tune when I'm singing. So I begged, I said, I, you need to send me to singing lessons, mother. Please, please, please. Yeah. So I went to some singing lessons. I started doing drama. So I think through that and seeing... We had like the older girls would always go to like Lane and Bird and um, oh, there's one we were talking about the other day. Bush Davis, which doesn't exist anymore. It's a massive kind of school dance place, but it was all very dance based. Um, and then one person went to arts and I'd never heard of arts educational. And it was obviously more singing and dancing as well as drama. So that's why I applied there. So I applied to three places, Bird, Arts Ed. Really? Italia Conte. Oh, Italia Ooh. Conte. Yeah. And so you got in at arts. Mm. And what was that like? Um, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I think asking like why, I, it just felt like a natural thing to do to then go to college. But at school, I was always being told, well, what if you don't get in? you need to do your A-levels, then you should go to university and then you can go and do And I was a bit like, or <laughs> I could go to college and do what I want to do. And I always thought, well, when I get older, I can then go to university because my brain will keep working more than my body is going to get to an age where it will just be like, don't want to dance anymore or I'll get injured. You know what I mean? And I think I really had to fight, not with my family. They were always like, we'll support you. But it was the academic side in school telling me I couldn't do this or I shouldn't do this. So um, going to arts at 16, I was 16 when I went, so I did my GCSEs left. Um, I got into two of those three places um, and I auditioned for a scholarship for arts as well, which I got a half scholarship, half grant. So that was one of the reasons to go as well specifically to arts, but I really liked it when I went there. They were doing like a third of each thing rather than full dance, one singing lesson a week kind of thing. Um, I had a really hard time. I won't lie. It was, um, I think everyone's going to have a hard time going to college. And but I was quite happy to like leave home. I was ready. I was like, I'm off to London. Bye. Like literally yeah, like, yeah. see your mum. Yeah. She was like, no, it's like, go. Embarrassing <laughs> me. I'm in London now. Um, so I think I was so ready for all these new experiences, but I think the way I was trained is different to how people are trained now <laughs> in the same places. Um, 
a lot of work's been done. Um, there's probably still a bit more work to be done. But um, just so you know, that's something we talk about quite a lot. And yeah, I'm sure I, I th- most of our guests bring up some kind of uh, problem that they might have had, perhaps, it seems at the moment. Yeah. It be- it's seemingly a recurring mm. thing. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that you didn't have the best time. I th- th- don't think that was quite your phrasing, but, uh, you know, w- what was that experience there? Um, we weirdly started with 50 people in our first year and usually they might have 30 maximum. So I think the year I went, which was, oh, although I'm only 22 now, um, was <laughs> 1991. <laughs> um, so they that's when grants councils had stopped giving a lot of people grants, especially up north, they totally stopped arts grants. Uh, so this is pre, I know everyone does a university degree now, but this is pre that. So, and in the south, some people had them and some councils were kind of giving partial grants. So they accepted people knowing most of them wouldn't get the funding, wouldn't probably be able to, so they kind of oversubscribed. Everyone turned up on that first day. People's families had remortgaged their house to raise the money to send them to do this course. Um, so the first thing they said was there's too many people in this year. There will be a natural drop off probably by the end of the first, you know, some people like this isn't the course for them. They maybe want to do more drama or they don't, they want to go back and go to university, whatever that will always happen. But this also, we will be like getting rid of people. <laughs> it was Ooh. really odd. Um, so that's how our year started. And there's just, there was a sense of being watched constantly. There was apparently a blacklist going around from the teachers where they had to write down who they thought wasn't doing well. Um, Wow. So there were, that's kind of, and I think I've just, I just kind of, I'm a bit like I kind of just pootle along. So I didn't really understand any of that until um, I found out I was on the blacklist. <laughs> Being the only black girl in my ear was weird. Being on the blacklist. Um, and I had a discussion with the head of my year. Um before they came to me and I wanted to know why I was on it, who'd put me on it, which for me, I feel like I was quite like out there for me because I was, I was still in school mode. So I'd come from school straight to a college where some people had done like A-levels. There was a guy who was like a student nurse. So he was 20 something. I was like, he's so old, but you know, people had like (laughs) come out of that school mentality where I was still, these are teachers, I must just listen to everything they say and never speak back. So, um, but I think I was so annoyed about finding out about that within my first year. So I spoke um, to him about it, found out who it was, went and spoke to them directly. They kind of couldn't even explain why they'd put me on the list. (laughs) It was all very weird, but that was like the beginning. Um, There was a lot of weight issues. There was a lot of comments. It was a continuous um, situation we were streamed into like ABC I was like in the middle group for ev- all my dance stuff um, we had people who had come from like Elmhurst from ballet schools from Tring from Scottish ballet some people who hadn't danced since they were 10 do you know what I mean so we had kind of a mixture of people when it came to dance um, and one of the first things they did was line us up and go along a line and say 
you're too fat, you're too thin, da-da-da-da, and that was the first day of jazz. Um, we had to wear crop tops, we weren't allowed to wear leotards to jazz class, there was fingernails in the stomach, there was a constant, you'd just be doing exercises and we'd, you know, there'd be a walk around. What do you mean fingernails in the stomach? So I need to see your ribs, like suck your stomach in. Mm-hmm. So we, we always do like a développé exercise. So you'd be standing on one leg doing this set développé exercise and the jazz teacher would stand in front of me and say, suck your stomach in. I want to see your ribs. And you're wearing a crop top so you can physically see your flesh. I want to see your ribs. I want to see your ribs. Suck your stomach in. And then she'd just like stick her hand into and be like, that's in. Oof. I don't think you can do that anymore. No. I wonder why. I'm not Oof. sure you could do it then. No. But it's funny how that mentality's set up straight away of like, this is how it is. And if you want to work, you're following. This is the mm. least of your worries. I think it was that we had to go through that to yeah. get a job at the end of it. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, you know. Uh, a little bit after that was when I went and I, there were similar practices in place then, perhaps not uh, nails in the tummy. But um, I, re- I remember as a kid having like tap shoes thrown at my head and like keys thrown at me. Wow. Like uh, there was a lot of stuff thrown in my direction. <laughs> I don't know why it seemed like it'd be a theme. That was me your mum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just throwing chairs at me. Yeah. <laughs> my mum doesn't throw chairs at me. <laughs> Sorry, mum. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't I, yeah, I think that's... There's nothing, there's nowhere else that would be acceptable. No. Except for like the army. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's my maybe. version of the army is just maybe. breaking someone down so much. And whether it's physical or mental, which is also a way of uh, teaching drama students is you break them down first year, rebuild them as you want without the ego and then... Da, 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 and send them off the way. That one sentence is such a common belief about drama schools and it continues to this day and it is total bullshit. It, it, not that it doesn't happen, that does happen, mm. but those tutors are just actors or dancers or singers themselves. They are not psychologists, they're not psychiatrists, they're not trained to break anyone down. What they're doing is being fucking horrible to people mm. about themselves mm. for a year and then going, oh, I should probably try and fix this person because they're going to go out into the world and represent us soon and probably might say something shit about me unless I give them some value back mm. and try. And that's yeah. the building up phase. You know, actually, d- don't do that. Just teach people the skills they need. Yeah, it's so damaging. Like to do that in the, f- mm. the first year, like... That's going to impact everything from then on to kind of set yeah. the bar there. Did you find that that affected you uh, after that point, like moving forward? To yeah, it's probably affected me for my entire life since I went. Um, I think going at 16 as well, like you haven't, you haven't finished like growing, developing. My body wasn't even fully developed as a woman. Do you know what I mean? So the issue around the body situation and looking back now, cause I still think about it and you know, I was called fat constantly and I definitely was not fat. I didn't, I was like literally flat chested. I had no stomach. I've always had thighs. I literally was born. I was six pounds when I was born. So it was quite a small baby. I had like fully developed thighs. <laughs> Quadzilla comes walking out. <laughs> and they're not even like chubby baby. You know, when you get the fat baby, you're like, oh, look at yeah. your legs. I've just had like 
thighs, actual muscles, just yeah. like bang. So I've always had a thigh. I've always had a bum. And it was almost my body didn't fit in to the convention, the conventional Ooh. look, but also, and I think at that time of your life, because your body is still changing and we're also girls and you're going through all of that and being attractive and do the urge, you know what I mean? And the look, this is the 90s. So it's like Kate Moss. It was a whole wafy kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and there's a point sometimes where your body shape, it doesn't matter how thin you are, your body shape is your, your hips are your hips. Mm, yeah. they, they're still going to be wide if they're wide. Yeah, it's your bone. Yeah, that's, that's bone. Yeah, You're so not changing yeah, that. Yeah, changing the structure, yeah. the structure of your body. But looking back, because there was a Pilates studio, because there was a dance course at arts, a drama course, a musical theatre course, then there's a lower day school as well. So the dance course had a Pilates studio, which... I, I didn't know what Pilates was. I used to look and like, that's so weird. What are all those machines? It's like a gym, but quite, you know, not quite a gym. Um, but things like that, if you do have someone that's like, you just carry muscle. I, I didn't do any other outside. I never went to the gym. I just had these, I've always had thigh muscles. I didn't have to work. I always had a muscly back. I didn't, I was not like pumping iron or anything. It's just how my body was. Um, but if you can teach people if you go go and do some Pilates, you need to like elongate yourself. There are there are ways of working on your body and changing the shape slightly rather than just telling someone to go and run or eat eggs and coffee. Two terrible yeah. pieces of advice. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like the, the idea of saying, this is what's wrong with you and then going, we're not going to give you any support to like, mm. to help you in any way is a totally insane idea to just be like, oh yeah, you're fat. Yeah. What are you meant to do with that information? <laughs> like, it's such a horrible thing to say in the first place, such a damaging thing. And then to not kind of provide any support or, I don't know, it's just... Well, it's also, hopefully this practice doesn't exist in the same way anymore, at least. But, you know, there is this idea of casting. But realistically, it's about asking each person, what do you want to be cast as? Does the way you look currently match that mm. with what your goal is? And is your goal realistic and possible and healthy? Mm. And if they don't, and there's something you can do about it, then cool. And if not, and you're healthy otherwise, then you're good as you are. Like, it, it's irrelevant what size you might be within that, but realistically, mm. you know, because you don't have to fit into these bizarre categories because they're archaic. I don't see the need for it. Yeah, but I think you have to be already quite mentally strong to... Listen to that. And what I've never understood with the amount of money it costs to go through um, professional training, there was no, there's just like no nutritionist. And this is, this is like before the internet. So in a way, I think people now can be like, well, you can just go on the internet and find a diet. So, you know, any diet I knew was probably a diet my mum had done. I had been on a diet since about 13 by that time anyway. 90s was Atkins, right? Oh, the at cake. I've oh, done them all. Classic. This is the, the You dream about bread when you do the at cake. <laughs> What's the rest? That's your body going, give me this yeah. food. I like bread, but I I'm not it. like a massive bread fiend. Yeah. But when I did the Atkins, I'd literally, I'd wake up and be like, I was dreaming, like literally like French baguettes <laughs> flying around what, my head. What Tanya's doing, she's, her eyes are closed <laughs> and her hands are like trying to find bread in the surrounding area. Um, yeah, that's something that we uh, have spoken about a little bit, actually, the, the, 
the drama schools, like you said, can comment on this um, casting perhaps that people have, but don't know how to provide you the support to find the thing. You, you said the internet, but realistically, it's pretty hard to find really good information on the internet. Mm -hmm. And there's loads of bad information. It's really hard to tell what's good and what's bad if you don't know where you're mm -hmm. coming from. So there is a need, I think, to find um, some it's decent information. It's an in, you know, I think that's the point is every single person, it's an individual um, situation for them. And, you know, some people do do sport alongside going to drama school and dancing. Some people don't. Some people, um, talking about like health industry, like the fat thin thing. I had friends at college who were, had lovely figures and they'd literally eat two Mars bars on the way to college. Yeah. <laughs> that was, all they did was eat like, you know, pies in a can, go to the chip shop. They were always eating chocolate. And like all that stuff for me, I was like, I, I can't eat that. I just can't eat that. But what I did was just not eat. I did eat, yeah, yeah. but I just would. So I def I would definitely not eat at college. It became a situation where we had a canteen, which I don't. We'd go and sit in it. I did think it was going to be like fame. To be fair, that canteen—that <laughs> was one of the biggest disappointments about going away. Then no one stood up on the table and started like playing the saxophone, and then we all went, "Yeah." So like, oh, that's actually exact, just a canteen. I thought, I thought it was, <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be a bit like fame. But also, if you ever watch Step Up. Oh, classic, yeah. I thought it was going to be like the sort of conservatoire that she was in where, where people were in the corridor playing just, violin. And just sweating around. Yeah, yeah, like just down the corridors. And I was yeah. like, oh, it's not like that. It's was, just not like that. I was weird. like, oh. Did you think you were going to be Channing Tatum, Stefan? I, I think I was desperately trying to be Channing Tatum with none of the charisma Teaching a ballet dancer how to do funky hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly my idea of you. Wearing, wearing my, with my shaved head and my bench and G-star raw clothing. Wow. Uh, all factual, sadly, with, with pictures to prove it. Uh, that's really fascinating. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I the way I look at it is like, at the end of the day, we're... All performers are athletes mm. and you need to give athletes information on how to use their bodies, how to support their bodies, how to support what you're doing. Like no matter what size you are, big, small, doesn't matter. Like you have to be able to sustain eight mm. shows a week. And mm. realistically, realistically, that is what these schools should be pushing you towards mm. and should be helping educate you towards. Yeah. What's to go, your instrument? Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What is your instrument? Like your what voice. do you need to do? Yeah. And how do you need to look after yourself to get to that point, mm. to give the best performance that you possibly can? And that's really what matters. Not, oh, you're too fat, you're too thin, mm. you can't be cast as this. No, just give, give us the tools. Mm. Give us the tools to go out and then do what we can do. Yeah. And like, a hundred percent. We should be looking at longevity. I think yeah. that's the one thing we yes, don't yes, yes. do is the career isn't just like graduating, getting the lead role or like five years down the line being like, well, I'm kind of working, but I still haven't had the lead. Like it's, it's a longevity and you can only get that if you are strong, if you're looking after yourself. Um, if you're mentally well. Yeah. In, like you need to be impervious to harm. <laughs> like as resistant to injury is what I mean, as resistant yeah. to injury yeah. as possible, you know, mentally taking care of yourself, uh, all of that stuff mm. that you're on about, being able to feed yourself appropriately uh, and with enough energy to survive the insane schedules you might be doing. Yeah. I do think in the weirdest way where things weren't great, I think it did set me up for this industry. And I, I think partly what, what they were doing was that 
Yeah. But I still don't know if psychologically, because what, that's now over 20 years ago and I can still talk about it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Trauma. And I also left college thinking I'd never work. <laughs> mm. But I, I auditioned in my first half term of the third year went to an open call and we kind of went just for like the experience and we were banned from auditioning by the third year because they kept losing too many people. Um, and I got offered that job. What was it? Me and my girl on tour. Mm. Um, I spent the whole time just kind of being like, I just want to see what a professional audition's like. And but also knowing, well, I'm not going to get the job because I've been told a thousand times I'm never going to work. I'm, I'm in my third year by now. And I still have that thing of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Um, but f in a weird way, I think it's just maybe me that makes me kind of go, I'll show you I am good enough. I have that kind mm. of mentality, which maybe with the way these things happen has helped me have a career. But at the same time, with a lot of my contemporaries, it kind of just broke them down yeah, and they left and kind of... They were just kind of not, they just, I don't know. They just then trying, getting people telling you no's is you've just had too much trauma in three years mm. to then come into the business and then also get rejected. <laughs> Whereas I thought, well, I will be rejected. So I know this already and I'm ready to be rejected. So in a weird way, it kind of helped me not expect too much, but also try and prove something at the same time. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a funny one. But that job as well, um, I got offered the job. I didn't have an agent, obviously. I was still at college. They called the college because it was obviously on my random CD CV I'd made up with yeah. no jobs on it, like Panto when I was 10. Um, and the like registrar came to my tap or ballet class, said, uh, there's a phone call for you. And there was like one payphone. And no one ever, like, why would anyone phone me at college? So I thought, oh my God, something's happened. Something's yeah, happened yeah. at home. So um, I went to the phone. It was at, on the drama students area. So there was just like a load of people like practicing text <laughs> in, <laughs> on this massive table. They were all older than us. I was a bit scared of the drama, drama course. Um, so I was like, hello. It's like, oh, hello. It's so-and-so from so-and-so company. Um, you came to audition for us. Da, 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 da. We'd like to offer you the job. And when, as soon as she said, we're offering you the job, I actually stopped listening. Of course. Like yeah, literally yeah. my ears went. Wah! So I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then she carried on talking for a good half an hour. Um, you need to this. You need to, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to put it in your contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking, just get off the phone so I can come and tell people I'm leaving. You know, I said, I work in a shoe shop. I've got a job. Um <laughs> So I agreed to all this stuff over the phone, <laughs> put the phone down, went and told my friend. Um, but basically what I had agreed to was they were like, you, we want you to be um, a size eight to 10. We're just worried that you're maybe a bit bigger than that. So what we want you to do is get yourself measured, send in your measurements. Then you'll have a costume fitting at this, at a certain date Said, but it won't be for probably eight weeks or something. Um, and by then we need you to be a size eight to 10. Wow. Um, and if you're not, we can take this contract off of you. And that was, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Put the phone down. 
Um, so I agreed to that. Um, so I, d- I did what they asked me to do. Um, so there was a lot of pas de deux in the show. And I think there'd been an incident, which I didn't know at the time, there'd been an incident maybe in a previous contract where someone had hurt their back. They kind of blamed it on the partner. Um, so me being me, I measured myself. I was not far off, but I always will have a bigger bottom half. So I measured not a size, like a size 12 bottom, basically. So I was like, okay, I've got to like slim down somehow. So I left it until probably two weeks before this costume fitting. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd start things and be like, okay, nothing's happening. So then I did a crazy, but what was weird, like looking back now, I probably told my mum, I wasn't living at home. I mean, I was living on my own technically in London. I didn't tell anyone at college what they'd asked me to do. I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind to go and speak to anyone of my teachers slash mentors because in a way I thought they'd just be like, well, yes, yeah, we've told out, you you're fat. for <laughs> like It's made out to be something you should be ashamed of. Yeah. Right? So there's a shame attached. I had eight weeks. I kind of was like, oh, and then I found this diet, which was uh, basically kind of no carbs, that kind of thing. It wasn't quite the Atkins, but um, <clears throat> it's like an egg. And then a piece of chicken for lunch. Perfect. It Sounds was really delicious. Great. Yeah. Great. Black coffee. Food. And then I gave myself like one day off, like a Sunday. And I would I would that loud to treat day. But I did that I only did it for two weeks and you're supposed to lose all this weight in the first week. I lost nothing. But I also then went and started doing aqua aerobics at Acton swimming baths. So it's me and a load of like old women. So before college, I go and do aqua aerobics, then go start college at nine, always started nine o'clock jazz. Um so I did that for two weeks the first week kind of I just didn't change and then I was panicking I was like oh my god I'm exactly the same as I was when I had that phone call (laughs) and I've got my costume fitting Um, and then the second week which always seemed to happen with me whenever I diet suddenly like all the weight fell off my jazz was like oh you look great and it was just the change of like the way people treated me it was just bizarre but all I needed was like to know I could get my hips down to a size 10. So I went, we had the costume fitting. The girl obviously before me, because they're just putting me in someone else's costumes. It's the third year of a tour. So she was obviously bustier than me. So they were like, oh, we're going to have to take this in. We didn't know what was going to walk through the door because they were like, we were told she has to fit into these costumes and da-da-da. And we, because it's pre-emails as well, we have to fax over today what your, you know, your measurements are by the end of the day. They were like, we're going to have to take a lot of this stuff in. You've got a different bill to the girl that wore them before anyway. So they were like, I don't Obviously, know what, I don't know what the problem being. was. <laughs> 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 oh, God, Sorry, the studio is falling apart it's here. It's like, no. I'm just going to leave it down. There. Oh, my goodness. Me. Terribly well made. That, there. Um, that, I think, is a good place. Uh-huh. <laughs> On the destruction of the podcast. <laughs> that is a good place for us to ask you whether you've managed to lie to us. Are you shaking your head? Maybe. <laughs> you can tell us if you have lied or not. Have you? You haven't lied. <laughs> you don't know if I'm lying to you. Oh, no. oh, if you're lying it's now. Lie upon lie. <laughs> layered. If you, if, <laughs> no lie? 
No lie. Excellent. No lie. Well, then we won't try and guess from the truths <laughs> what was most likely to have been a lie. <laughs> and that means, Bobby, that the tally remains at 2-1. Oh, 2-1, yeah. You're still ahead of me. The oh, really? Still so bad. The tally continues. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've both got quite a few wrong. Um, excellent. Well, then we'll move on to some of the well highlights of what is an unbelievable... Career, really. Um, really unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> if we asked your teachers at drama school, they wouldn't believe this. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, obviously, we should mention that you're in Mary Poppins right yes, now. Yes, I am. Playing Mrs. Corey. The one and only Mrs. Corey. Yeah. Uh, if people don't know the musical, what does Mrs. Corey do and sing? Mrs. Corey owns um, basically what looks like a sweet shop, but she sells letters and words and sentences. Um, and it's. Uh, Little journey the children are taken on to visit her, and um, we might sing a little song called Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Yes. That happens. Just, a, just a little banger there. Play little that banger. double speed. <laughs> Say it double speed. Um, so, that, that show, you've been in that for a little while now? I have. We started, I started rehearsals last June. We, it reopened because it was open before COVID. Um, I think they were open for about six months and reopened with a few new members. So I didn't do it previously. And you are Intel. sensational in the show. Oh, thanks very it. much. I'm subtle as well. <laughs> <laughs> you, I can't really spot your costume in that. No, no. you cannot see her from space it's at tricky. all. It's, it's like <laughs> really underplayed. I peer out of my window at night <laughs> at around 8.14pm. <laughs> Leash beacon. Um, yes, yeah, so people should totally go and see that. Uh, mm. We met on a, a little show Yes. called The Comedy About a Bank Robbery. Yes. In which... <laughs> You played my mum. <laughs> Mummy. My- <laughs> it makes absolute sense when you see us. Uh, it does make perfect sense. <laughs> uh, my first line in that show was to burst through a door in a bank and just uh, shout, hey, ma, which has become our calling card every time we sort of see each other. Um, Love it. But it was really, it was one of those strange things where I kept trying to add this meaning to it of, uh, and they just kept being like, can you just come in and just shout the line? <laughs> shout it. <laughs> you just, face. Honestly, can you just come and just come on with even more energy and shout it? So it ended up, I was like jumping in through this door and being like, hey, ma! And they're like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, I don't think it is. Like, Nailed you found it. it. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Okay, but now I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> more is more. <laughs> more, is, more is more. Well, that show was madness, right? Yeah. The, but that segues us into uh, the physical demands of all shows, mm. right? So you've been in Mary Poppins for a really long time. You've done things like Wicked, Hairspray, Fame, all these really physical things. Mm. How on earth do you survive that? How do you maintain that incredible career you've had where you've worked constantly for however long it might be? A thousand years. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Mine. No, I'm joking. Um, She's not joking. No. <laughs> it's weird. Do you know what's kind of weird? Because when I first started, I was dancing. So basically, like me and my girls, very traditional show. It's Lyrical ballet, tap. It's very traditional kind of, this is what I have been doing since I was eight years old. Um, Then moving into different kind of shows, like the Book of Mormon, there's kind of dancing in it. It's it's kind of African, (laughs) but it's the stuff you're like, oh, 
what's this? And your body's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, also, I hadn't really danced for a while since I did that. So I find, I found, I did things like Dr. Doolittle again. It's kind of traditional dancing. It's stuff you've been trained in. It's when you kind of get a bit older, kind of stop dancing so much, but then you do these like really physical shows where they call you a mover but I'm running across the stage in Porgy and Bess. There was a, I don't know if you ever saw it at Regent's Park. Um, Liam Steele was a choreographer and amazing, but everything came from, you know, tiny little ideas and movements. And he works as like a contemporary choreographer. So we had a thing where the storm starting and it was a physical thing. So we'd run on with these chairs and it was just a chair and you sit on the chair and then rock and then fall off the chair and then run and get another chair and just choreographing it because you were like, am I supposed to remember which is, which is, so you have 30 people running, rocking, falling all at different times. But we were literally, what's the safest way if I did this to fall onto my side without hurting myself mm. and then do that like 20 times? And there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> what we discovered. Four months in. But weirdly, it didn't, it didn't hurt, but it was just, it's kind of, but maybe because I've done, I don't know, if, I like doing things like that, but at the same time, you're, it's a bit like bank robbery. I don't think anyone's prepared for the physicality. I got away with doing no physicality. <laughs> I'm just like minced around the stage. Like, like hey, baby. Um, literally everyone's like throwing themselves and flying from the scene. I'm like, I'm cool. Um, and she ended up with the diamond from the bank. At the oh, end as well. yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to kill myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think <clears throat> what I found along the way is those kind of shows where you're not ready for the physicality because your body's like, and what's this? Uh, I, you know, you're literally jumping in the air doing African dancing. You're like, okay, Porgy Best, there was the whole African dance routine, which is great, but your body's kind of like, hang on a minute, what's going on? So the four <laughs> weeks of rehearsal, you're just like, oh, everything hurts. Even, even if you try and get fit before that rehearsal period, sometimes you don't know what's going to come at you. Um, so maintaining, I don't know, it's a hard one. I think because you can become show fit which is great but then you just feel like I can get through the show physically every day and after that then absolutely you know I need to lie down (laughs) um maybe it's it's just it's it's more accessible now to know you need to do something outside of that whether it's even yoga or just stretching um I again I'm I'm such a like I'm into something and I'm like, yes. And then I kind of stop for a bit and I'm like, oh, that thing I was doing. Oh, I need something else to do. And I've got like that weird Gemini, like I'm like obsessed with it. And then I'm like, I haven't done anything for ages. But I definitely noticed that difference between doing something else physical outside of that show helps me a lot. Bobby, when you were researching Tanny, didn't you find something? On her CV. I did find oh a little something God. on the CV. I had a little old, uh, skilled and highly skilled on the old spotlight. Nice, uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, you're a uh, Zumba fan. <laughs> instructor, wasn't it? Zumba instructor, uh, well, according to the highly uh, skilled one. Highly skilled Zumba was, instructor. Don't know yeah. what's got highly skilled, probably just say <laughs> Zumba instructor. I, um, well, I just randomly, I actually got into Zumba because a friend told me about it. And so, like, my local 
sports place where I was a member, I would go and do classes and it was just during like some downtime when I wasn't working and I usually temp um, in an office when I don't work on stage. But um, just thought, oh, that's something, again, kind of going back into teaching when you haven't really been going to class and you're like, okay, what, what can I do that's kind of active without killing myself um so yeah but zumba training is one day (laughs) (laughs) they really prepare you for it (laughs) it's a one-day course it was literally like you could like never have done zumba and go and do this pay for this course it was random um casting directors highly skilled highly skilled skilled. um (laughs) completed the full day i I got the certificate They did make a cut. I am trained. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I've never taught it. I think I was talking about this uh, to someone the other day and we were talking about Zumba and they were like, oh, you should teach. And like, I think I kind of left and then got this weird, um, I didn't trust myself. And again, I think I do hark back to a lot of stuff from, it's really annoying because it's such a long time, but that college thing of like, oh, well, you don't, you only did a day. Like, how do you know what you're doing? But then I've literally done Zumba class. I've done some great ones. I've done ones with people who literally can't count in time to the music. And they're like going over bars. And I think if you if you dance or you're musical, you're like, Ugh! it's like someone scraping because you're like, oh, that is not, you're starting on like three. That's not the one. I will not and, clap on one and, and three. And I just and won't like, do I it. I literally feel sick to my bones. <laughs> but I think that confidence, like that lacking confidence of kind of going, I'll do this. So I try it and they're like, okay, I've done that. But um, Zumba's always stayed with me. I like it, I think, because it's a mixture of dancing. Mm. I'm a bit like um, a baby where you need to be like, you're not really exercising. You're yeah. doing this mm. and then, but you are you are exercising. Yeah. So the whole thing with Zumba is like you might do, I don't know, 200 squats for, for that one class, but you will never know you've done that many because it's hidden. <laughs> it's like hiding tablets yeah. in food for a dog. <laughs> like Tanya needs to know I'm not exercising. Once someone's like, and now we exercise, I'm like, Ugh. Love that you Something refer to yourself third person Ugh. as well. But that's not surprising, is it? When you <laughs> when you go, okay, when you started off with all this stuff, it was from sport, in yeah. which you are exercising, but the aim is something else. Do you know what I mean? Like usually there's a, there's a goal to the sport that is yeah. not... The competitive, yeah, you, yeah, you're winning. And I think I can, that's why I equate, I'd still probably rather run around playing hockey or doing like football. Don't get me, don't put a football anywhere near me because that will hurt somebody. <laughs> it's all that happens. Not with the football, she'll just punch you. <laughs> <laughs> go straight in with a two-faced I'm like, <laughs> I was like, whack it up, I can't do football. But yeah, because again, I think that's like, Anything that's maybe competitive, maybe it's just mm. I've got that competitive streak. So you're not thinking about the thing. You're just like, I was playing to win. But you exercise at the same time. So it's, that's why I don't like the gym maybe because it's like, and do exercise. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And it's, I can motivate myself. But what I said when I was at first school, I was really good at sprinting. I'm really, I was always, well, not now. <laughs> She's not going to sprint for the bus. But I was, a, <laughs> I was fast. Do you know what I mean? I was like, dynamic and relay races, everything like that was very fast, but I couldn't do long distance. So long distance for me is like an actual nightmare. And my school loved uh, cross country. So everyone had to do cross country. Most schools, our school backed into the woods and I wouldn't even look at the route because I knew I'd be behind everyone. And then one time I got lost 
on the route because I just because I just walk it. I was like, I can't. I run for a bit and I'm like, I've got the stitch. Like, when does this end? And I actually got lost, so I ended up going all the way home to my own house. <laughs> and my mum had to then drive me all the way back to school. Wow. And basically, like, she she came home because uh, she got lost. I, I used to look at the route, but I was terrible at cross-country at that age. Oh, and the sorry. reason I'd look at the route was to find a shortcut. A shortcut. Nice. <laughs> but nice. I, I couldn't believably win <laughs> at that age. So I would find the shortcut and I'd wait. <laughs> I'd wait until the, about the position I was in after about two, three hundred metres, then, like, hop back in and carry on. Nice. nice. Clever. And I'd get to the end and be like, oh, that was rough. I, I used to be life. the one throwing up. Did you? Back. Oh. I was always, like... The end. I was the last one crossing the line. That's oh, terrible. My God. But there, that we fits learned. in with my go and do exercise. I'm like, I don't, don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. But yeah. Um, some, I was just going, sorry, Zumba, she's obsessed. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, the Zumba instructor, Tani Matherin. Um, when we had lockdown, because I was in rehearsals for a show when we stopped, but we were about to do our first preview on the Tuesday. We started the first day of our tech and the entire country was like, oh, let's shut everything down. So I was like, cool. I went home to Dorset to be with my mum and my sister. In the end, not knowing, but there was five months before we then reopened the show. We opened the show within the first and second lockdown, basically. And I remember going home and being so tired because I'd had two weeks from my previous job before starting rehearsals for this job. And, I th- you know, when you're just exhausted, but, you know, you haven't really got time to stop. And I think I just went, oh, man. And it was so nice to just sat in my mum's garden. But like everyone else, I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat, drink wine. I haven't got to sing tonight. And just like, let's have a mini break. And I did it for about two days and just thought, you need to stop. Because one, you will not fit into those costumes (laughs) when you go back, whenever that is. But also I thought, oh, just had a bit of an injury. I'd done another like non like a physical job, really. It wasn't very physical, the job before that. And I'd got myself into just like a kind of state. And actually I thought, right, I'm going to just do a bit of a hit, but no no jumping and just went on the internet. So I kind of gave myself a little program, did it in the garden. And I went back to Zumba, found this great guy on the internet. He's so amazing. So I literally would do Zumba every day. Then I got my sister doing a bit of exercise. And then we, she loves Joe Wicks. So we do like Joe Wicks every day and it was, and I lost two stone doing that because I thought I'll put on three stone. Yeah. <laughs> if I literally just were like, it's the end of the world. <laughs> so nothing, nothing to do. We can't leave the house. And actually, yeah. so I know when I put my mind to it, I'm also older. So what I used to be able to do and like get fit and drop weight does not work anymore. Yeah. But then I'm like, it's not working. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I like Zumba. It's just a kind of. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun yeah. and it's good and a bit of Pilates. I think that's the thing. Like you want to do, th- you want to do something fun. Like yeah. you don't need to go into fitness going, oh yeah, this is going to be hard. I'm going to hate every second of this. Because mm. who wants to do that? Like realistically, who wants to do that? Do you know what? I have a ton of clients that come on board that are so used to working really hard and going to the gym five or six times a week or going mm. to like. Uh, hit classes mm. that that mm. regularly that convincing them they don't have to work that hard and they can get better results is is one of the biggest challenges I have. Yeah, changing people's minds about mm. what they need to be doing. Like people who people 
go into those kind of situations thinking, oh, I need to come out feeling like I've lifted the entire world up. Like yeah. I need to be absolutely wrecked coming out of yeah. a yeah. session in order to have gotten the best out of it. Yeah. I can't feel totally my legs. Wrong. That's totally wrong. Really common. They, they're like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't sweat that much. So it wasn't that good. Rubbish. Or, oh, I did a, a session at the gym and, you know, if my legs weren't really like burning up, I could walk down the stairs fine. Mm. You were like, good. Good. You should yeah, be able yeah. to walk down the stairs fine. <laughs> like, but it's with there is definitely like a I think that penny dropped with me as well of just like just do something. There's an amazing woman again online who does a Heather something and she has every kind of exorcism like from LA. I liked it because she doesn't speak during <laughs> the workouts. <laughs> there's just like a timer and there's yeah. music. Um it's all just visual, but also she does everything, but also will do the same thing with um no jumping um, or like no, you know, not on the knees or kind of without lunges. And it seems like that. So you're like, actually I don't have to be dead. And there is, there is this mentality of, and I know I've got it. And, but it it doesn't just come from what we do. It is the people in the street. And I think, you know, like tough mudder and is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think those things, they look great, but they, they almost are kind of like, you've got to like, be bleeding and that's when you're tough and and so you know I, going into this I was like I need to start doing something I still didn't want to go back to the gym so I started doing Pilates which I've done a bit again um during the lockdown mat Pilates and I think even that it's like you don't really sweat it is sometimes you're like oh this is really tough and you're literally doing the smallest little exercise but it's like that you've got to kind of change your mentality sometimes of how you can make yourself stronger. So I'm more, I'm more interested in being stronger. And like you said, for this job, you just want to have that strength. So you don't feel like at the end of every week you're burnt out, you're getting little injuries, you know, and we're wearing costumes. We're kind of dealing with so many random things that you have to take into account on a, for a year wearing a high heel, you know, for women, it's just like everything's tipped forward and, you know, you kind of, those are things you don't take into account and yeah. restretching because you're just constantly, maybe the front of you is a bit like this all the time. I don't know. So yeah. So I'm trying to do like things and be nice to myself. <laughs> be nice be to nice. yourself. Um, I wanted to ask you something actually, because uh, on occasion you have been an understudy. Mm, yes. Um, well, yeah. And uh, it, I saw you come from away, and uh, which was amazing. Uh, but the demands of that, that idea that you have to be prepared to go on with one minute's notice sometimes when they're during a show and it's like, by the way, they're off, you're yeah. on. Uh, do you have a strategy for dealing with that? How do you not stress out like a crazy person when you're put in that situation? I think it's hard. I think you will always feel slightly stressed. I think doing the work sounds really, you know, but the doing the work and knowing what you're doing it will be the only thing that will ever save you. So on Come From Away, I, I covered five of the six women in the show. And that's the first time I've done something like that and covered that many roles and it's, there's no interval. It's, you can't come off and look at your folder and be like, okay, I've got three scenes in my head and then check anything. You just need to know the show from start to beginning. Mm -hmm. 
one of the biggest things is, again, you're moving chairs, you're moving tables, you're moving props for other people in three scenes time. So as well as what you're doing, you have to make sure you're finding the marks and everything changes like this as well. And you're like, where's Brown? Eight <laughs> on a brown stage. You're like, cool. That was a good idea. Um, but I think once I went on, I mean, we, we rehearsed, we'd have a like six weeks rehearsal period and then a put in, um, obviously there's, you do work yourself as well, I think. And that's all, I think that's the only way you can do it. Cause otherwise you would spend the entire year just like, yeah. But it, I, I don't think that feeling with that show specifically went away. Cause I think if you're just understudying one role, you have the same feeling, but once you've gone on or maybe done a week for holiday, it feels it's somewhere there, you know, I can do it. It feels like it's embedded a bit. Um, yeah. with Yeah. I think once you've done two or three different people, you're like, I do know what I'm doing. It's okay. But it's up to us, you know, when we're off, we would just revisit. Let's run. I want to play Diane. Let's run the show and just keeping on top of it. But, um, I kind of, I like that adrenaline sometimes because that's what you lose when you're playing one role in one show for the whole time. You lose that like excitement. But um, there was one part I just, I, I, in all honesty, I just never wanted to be put on for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of my lower down covers. And I did every, everyone else. I did four of my five and I didn't do her. And the one day I was off on my own. So off, I mean, off stage. Um, so either all the other standby girls were on or maybe not there that day. So I was on my own upstairs on a two show day. This girl had not been feeling very well. She'd done the first show, I think. And then it was like, oh, she's okay. And then basically whoever went off, if anyone went off, it would be me going on to, unless it was the one person I didn't cover, we'd have to then move around. So I was kind of upstairs and like, should I look at it? And I kind of got it out and I was like, if I look at it, I'm like jinxing that I'm going to have to play this role. And I just, I'm so, that was the one thing I couldn't, I spent a whole year not wanting to do. And it was only because she did all the timestamps and I'm really bad with no, so literally like, September the 11th, 8.15. And it was specifically 9.11 happened. It's a factual thing. Yeah. So I couldn't just like <laughs> make up dates. And September the 12th. So uh, <laughs> January the yeah. 14th, um, 1805. It was just that kind of, and she was always on her own. She'd just run on stage and just say a number, number, date, 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 blah, 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 blah. And I found it really hard because there was nothing to hang. There was no scene really for her. She was always kind of a little bit more of a narrator. Um, Tricky And all her stuff was very very quick But I'd done my pushing It was fine But I, And she was supposed to be 20 I was like This is just never It's just not going to work <laughs> Me playing this role <laughs> And I had that one moment Where I got this like We'd started the show Show's gone up I'm like okay She's it's... Oh no <laughs> Shall I literally pretend I'm not here I, Like that can only be one person Everyone was on stage Come in And the company manager came in She was like Listen and I think I couldn't even talk. I felt physically sick. Or I was like, oh, it's happening. I can't. I'm going to get my makeup from the car. See you later. Um, she was like, just to let you know, she's okay. Oh. But maybe just have to get ready. So they wanted me to basically get ready. I wanted to cry. That was 
this is quite far into the contract as well. Yeah, so, and but it didn't happen. And one of the guys um, next door, he was off. So he came in and we started just running the lines. But I knew the lines, but we were running the lines. And I was like, Saturday, 11. And he was like, no. He's like, this, that is not, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm panicking. <laughs> what does it look like? I'm like changing all the lines. He was like, so that was great, but it was all wrong. Um, so wow. <laughs> let's go back on that. But um, yeah, I think you're always going to have that one little thing. And maybe it's an understudy. You shouldn't ever feel too relaxed. Yeah, that's true. Just in general, because yeah. I think you're you're going into a situation where, especially with a big role, you're kind of leading the scene in, like, say, Hairspray. You're on stage. You're leading the scene. But also you're on stage with people who don't always do it with you. So you have to, you kind of have to be hyper aware of everything going on. So I think if you're too... Chilled out. out. Too much. Might not go so well. I want to jump back to uh, the exercise thing that you mentioned. You mentioned Zumba, but uh, if you... <laughs> oh, oh, lovely Zumba moves. See? Oh, damn. That's what it's not televised. <laughs> if you, so you're very used to working out to music. Yes. But... Do you have oh. a particular workout song <laughs> that you would put on that is like a guilty pleasure one that you might be a little little embarrassed on and not normally tell people that you'd like to share with us today? Well, so I have got like an exercise playlist, which I've had I add things to it. Um, so when I used to go to the gym, I would go on the cross trainer. That's usually my like not running machine cross trainer. I do that for ages. Um but my favourite song is so embarrassing. <laughs> it's a thong song. <laughs> what, by Cisco? Yes. Absolute it's classic. It's an absolute classic, and it'll be a moment, if it's on shuffle and it just comes on, and you're like... <laughs> and no one knows. It was always my fear that my headphone would come out, and then everyone... <laughs> no, I'm listening to the thong song. On the cross trainer. Oh. On the cross trainer, it's like, oh, cool. I mean, it's a very questionable song and video, but... <laughs> but really catchy. The time goes, I think, yeah. Really catchy. It's really it's catchy. It's an absolute banger. It is an absolute banger. <laughs> so that's what makes you happy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes you happy. What, what within kind of fitness and wellness would you like to see get in the bin? And what we mean by that is... What do you want to see the end of? Is there anything about fitness or wellness that you really wish wasn't a thing? This is quite a hard one, actually. I think there's the the things that everyone kind of notices. I feel like sometimes I I, I see like the advertising stuff, but I think I just kind of ignore it now rather than it annoy me. Um, but again, I don't suppose that's what it's there for. It's supposed to make you want to go and do whatever they're trying to get you to do. Is there an advert in specific you're thinking of? Well, I haven't seen it yet, but there is one at the moment, apparently on the tubes about abs or something. Go here and get some abs. Which weirdly, the girls at work said, and they're all like, they're dancers, they're tiny little things, and they've got amazing bodies and they're very fit. And even they were like, oh, what's that about? You know, um... We all already have abs. Every human being in the world. Well, That's there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I've always had them. Just never section. seen them. We've all got them. Yeah, I find what what I do find weird is like there's targeted targeted advertising, obviously on social media, but women of a certain age. Mm -hmm. There's this like weird thing like, 
oh, women suddenly, you're going to the menopause soon. Like, well, I'm not. Or maybe, I don't know, but what? Um, it's Instagram, but it's literally like, this is going to happen to you. And it's almost like already telling you about yourself. I don't know. And it's like, yeah. And I just think, well, that's not. Yeah. It's not really helpful. And it's also this whole like woman of a certain age. I'm sure men, men of a certain age, but it's just like this weird thing of that you. It's about aging and not being attractive. Because yeah. actually that's what it's about. Mm. I think that's when fitness and exercise becomes about not being attractive. Like, am I exercising to be attractive or am I exercising to be healthy. live longer and be healthy and be yeah. strong? And if that's a part of, you know, the sideline of it, that's great. But if that's the only be all and end all, then. You mean being attractive? Yeah. yeah Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. Then you're like, oh, I don't know how. It's going to get me out of bed every day to go and I don't know if that, uh, maybe it's a woman thing, but I'm sure it's a man thing now as well, the way they It's very much it. a man thing as well. I think so. Yeah. I think it's a general principle. Maybe it's always been like that, but. So the idea of having to exercise to be attractive. Mm. In the bin. But also it's a fat bin. thin. I think that goes to the fat thin thing, yeah. which I have a problem with. I've always had that being thin isn't being fit. Mm. And I think yeah, yeah, we're yeah, starting yeah, yeah. to see yeah. a bit more yeah, yeah. advertising yeah. towards um, fitness clothing, which I saw the other day, and even gyms putting people who are not really thin. Yeah, <laughs> going. I go to the gym. Was actually no going to the gym is like a person who has the normal body going to the gym. Mm. Also, it's, it is for and everyone. That, yeah, also, it's for everyone. The yeah. person hasn't got a one muscle on their lifter. body, yeah. but cool. Look, tell a powerlifter they're not fit. Yeah, or 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 a sumo wrestler. Yeah. No joke. You know, their level of body yeah. fat is incredibly high, but my God, their fitness is through the roof. Like their fitness isn't necessarily linked to their body weight. Yeah. No, well, you can look at anybody in the NFL, like American football. Yeah. 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 The offensive Rugby. line are huge. Yes. Yeah. But they are incredibly fit and incredibly strong. Yeah. That's a really great one. Love that for mm. the bin. Um, Get in the bin. Get in the bin. Okay, so if I were to ask you to give one piece of advice to people entering the industry now. So let's say, or maybe your younger self, uh, uh, up to you what that might be. But um, yeah, what advice would you give to others if, if they were trying to do this? Um, I would say it's really bit naff it's not a race it's just not a race um and also i think we all have we all know why we're why we decided to do this pursue that career and don't always listen to people because sometimes it feels there's you don't know what people gain from being negative towards you or your choices of your career but those voices will be there and you know why you're there and whether it's to do with how you think you should be cast, just believe that because it, do, it does work and someone, not everyone, but someone somewhere will see it in you and you'll get to where you want to go. If that makes any sense whatsoever. I think it does. It made more it sense in my does. head. I really love that. <laughs> Well, if you're listening to this, go and see Mary Poppins, where you will see Tanya absolutely smashing it. Um, uh, and it's uh, just a fabulous show. Anyway, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely chat. 
Yeah, thank you for coming and sharing and being so uh, wonderfully honest about uh, your experiences and career. And uh, yeah, for giving us your time. Showbiz, showbiz, kids, showbiz. Uh, right, everyone else, if you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone? Hello. Yeah, to, the, to the one person that listened to the last episode. No. <laughs> Sorry for rambling. If you liked it, please subscribe for future episodes. And please tell the world about us. Tell literally somebody. Find somebody right now and tell them. Yeah, look to your left. Yeah, look to your left. Tell that person. Look to your right. <laughs> slap that person. No, don't slap that person. <laughs> don't go full Will Smith on no. it. Oh. Um, you, that's old now, isn't it? That is old. Um, you can find more information about us on our website, fit hyphen. 2.co.uk or you can find us on social media at fit2 underscore talk and if you've got any questions that you'd like answered by us just you know what to do slip slide into our DMs and I will be sat there in a dressing gown <laughs> waiting where's this going now I'm going to DM you later turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks again for listening and if you like what you have heard this has been Fit2Talk with me Stefan and me Bobby and if you didn't like it we've been Joe Wicks peace out peace out